Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of Beyond the Eclipse. Uh, if you haven't tuned in before, in these episodes, me and V, we go over the old episodes. We listen back to them and we just kind of ramble and rant about different things and we kind of dig into the different elements of this show. Um, but we used to have a video element to the show and I currently just do not have the time to deal with it. Uh, a lot is going on in my life and I was the only video editor. So unfortunately, we're just going to skip it for now. We owe the good people of Patreon about... Uh, five or six of these episodes and I just want to start getting them out for you guys. So thank you so much for waiting patiently and enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to back to another episode of Beyond the Eclipse. Um, I'm your host, I guess, uh, Aethor, and with me, as always, is Molanda. Hi! Um, today we're doing the fifth episode, uh, episode five, The Breakfast Club of TLD. Uh, if you <sighs> don't remember what this silliness is about, uh, Beyond the Eclipse is a little like recap series, me and V do, where we go through the episodes and we talk about things that may not have come up or things that can be discussed <laughs> a little bit more, little tips and tricks about like uh, doing D&D and all that good stuff. Yeah, it um, is a, it's a good ripping apart of like, how did you DM this? I don't know. I made it up. <laughs> what are stats? I don't do that. It's like a, yeah, it's a no holds barred of like, how did you get through this? The answer is, I don't know. Uh, so mm. yeah, it's just a look into how this shit goes together on at least my side of the screen and plots that never were and will never be. So yeah. Uh, so uh, at the start of episode five, I'm going to read the intro, uh, which oh, says... Welcome back, minions, to the lucky die. Previously, Balance learns more about this, his situation, Raljak receives much-needed healing, and Sultana meets a woman with hooves and horns. With Caden as their boss and a new tele- telepathic link, Kythea reveals herself to be more than meets the eye. How will, they, how will they react to the news that one of their own is royalty? Will, there, will they be able to survive Demi's mission? And what new digs will Caden take them to? I guess we're about to find out. Welcome back to the lucky die. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a good yeah. one. What do you mean, what new dicks will Caitlin take them to? What's that mean? I realized when I heard it back this time listening through to it, um, it probably is a really British thing, but sometimes you call a place where you live your dicks. Just, just a place where you are. Like, yeah. The American version would be crib, I yeah, assume. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, um... So the episode starts out pretty good, in my opinion. It's uh, oh no, it's that a... sounds like the episode's going to turn out bad. It starts out well, but it gets a little shitty towards the end. <laughs> That's not what I said. I didn't <laughs> say anything like that. No, no. The episode starts out really good. You have the uh, cliffhanger from the last episode, which is um, right, Lachian yeah. being told that he's no longer the second to the throne. Yeah. Um. And yeah, Kathia's like revealing that. And I think in the like first minutes, you have uh, Arch doing like pretty good character development for yeah. his character. He he really isn't picking up on even the idea that he could have another brother. Uh, he even like runs circles around Kathia just trying to get her <laughs> not to say I have a brother. It's like, huh, who could it be? Oh, it's uh, he, he's, he's next in line. Well, I can't think of a single person that could accomplish that. It's like, well, like what house is he from? He's from Death or Dear. Really? Yep. Did my parents adopt? <laughs> it's like, he's doing everything. He doesn't say that. But he he's doing still, still he considers can. the idea that he is the only child. And it's been 50 mm-hmm. years. I'm like, nah, screw that. Mm-hmm. Like, they clearly have another kid. Um, yeah. And I think I even used the phrase because Arch was like dancing around it a little bit. I just used the phrase, your father's son. And I just thought that yeah. as a phrase is just super funny. <laughs> uh, you, you absolutely used that phrase. And it did stick out to me because my brain was like, um, that does imply something, but uh. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a that's a kind of a, a me reference. Um, I, I reference one of my older brothers as my 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 mother's son. Um, so I, I all my siblings are half siblings, um, and it's just kind of a running kind of joke with us. It's it doesn't make sense to anyone but me. I'm sorry. Um, it was just <laughs> I wanted to. Yeah, I kind of like I saw an opportunity to use that phrase, so I did. <laughs> It's it's a good phrase and it sounds really like royalty like because yeah. uh, like it, it, in that dumb way it's really only one parent that matters in the bloodline when it comes to certain things. Yeah, like and especially in this, in this one because it's the brother. Sorry, it's the father that is related to the queen and not like Lafian's mother. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I I really enjoy that scene. It's a, it's a cool uh, scene uh, and it moves on to. Uh, laugh, uh, balance trying to get Kaithia to join them on a quest and yeah. I have it written down Kaithia really doesn't want to join the group <laughs> uh, and then brackets that's probably V trying not to have two NPCs <laughs> yes 100% so um, in that scene when they're talking about stuff I have Caden leave because I don't want to have to it makes no sense for Caden to be there and be quiet whilst all these things are being revealed so I made him leave and I don't I don't mind, especially in like very low level parts of the game, to have an NPC that can help protect them because, as we all know, like the first three levels, you have to protect people like really heavily. Um, yeah. Because it's just very, very low hit points. Like two hits from a goblin and you're sort of down. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. We'll have someone there who can help them out, answer questions, help direct the plot a little bit if needed. Um, and I did not want Kythea to be part of the active part of the missions. I wanted her to be in the background, helping them out with information, doing some research and stuff, going back and doing her things in Kino when she needed to. Like, I wanted her in the background. I didn't want her anywhere involved in the fight or the active part of the shit. Like, I can't deal with that. No way. Get, get, get away from my party. I need you to do be doing other things, please. Yes. Yeah. 
also because you know it's the story about our players versus about the bunch of random npcs that they can force into the party um no i don't do that <laughs> well what's them try what's them try yes yes i'm looking at you episode 180 something <laughs> <laughs> fuck you oh, episode God. 180 something when, when it comes we're out, you guys will understand why I'm upset. Yeah, we're recording this um, episode 160 just came out, I think. Uh, mm. It'll probably be dropped like next week, so it'll uh, probably one, slot right in. Episode 158 um, dropped this week, which was late. Uh, to put it in a bit more time context, the episode that came out three <laughs> days late because newest PC shit itself. We're recording just yeah. after that, but we have recorded up to episode 189, I think. Oh, it's, it's ludicrous how far ahead we are. Yeah, uh, I'm very, very happy ha- about that. Luck- very luckily so, because we're, um, we're having a surprising amount of li- like, Yeah. Uh, like, uh, back when we were recording, like, through 150 to 180, we were like, oh, everything's going wrong. And now we're just like, oh, no, everything was going right. Yeah. Now things are going wrong. <laughs> Uh, sorry, back on, uh, back on topic. Back on focus. Um, also, like, um, in, in that... Ep- in that kind of scene bit where Lafian and Kate and Kaithia are chatting and they're learning more about like him being a prince and not being exactly where he thought he was in the Ascension line anymore. Um, he mentions a Pella. Um, yes, he does. He mentions a Pella. He's like, I don't want a Pella to get hold of me. Who knows what she'll do with me? And I'm like, a Pella doesn't give a shit. She doesn't know who you are. She's like younger than you've been in prison. She has no concept of who you are and she wouldn't care. She'd be like, oh, I could talk to him and learn stuff it wouldn't be like nefarious as like she doesn't she doesn't know him she's not out to assassinate him she just didn't know <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually kind of funny that uh opella ordered his uh, death not knowing like it's it's that like yeah, yeah, yeah kill everybody in the dungeon it's like are, are you sure you don't want to read this really old document <laughs> no just fucking burn it burn them all like you guys with your your life in prison like no 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 kill him <laughs> Just like these are my my laws, I'm not making an exception. No, fuck it. Opella, no. I I highly recommend you read this also, really uh, old. <laughs> Lindren, Lindren, kind of jumping the gun a bit, motherfucker. Uh, I oh, see yeah. any opportunity to be an asshole. Lindren jumps on it. So, <laughs> yeah. Is Lindren trying behind the scenes to try to fuck with Opella? Is that is is that any part of that? Uh, not really. Uh, Lindra just sees no. like uh someone who can help him achieve and do the things that he wants to do as a prison warden, mm-hmm. um, which is be pretty tough and harsh. Um, but yeah, otherwise, no, he's not out to screw with anyone in particular. Just uh, treat criminals the way he thinks criminals should be treated. So, yeah. Um, and then Balos's real name gets revealed. Uh, yep, with this Lafian Dathradir. It's really um, strange to me to hear everyone referring to him as Laffian. Uh, sorry, to Balance. Like, just <laughs> listening back, I just had that. Who the fuck is... Oh, it's Laffian. Right, yeah. It's, okay. been a, it's been a while. It's been a yeah. while. Uh, it's been a while since his name has co- changed. It's super weird for me to hear that. <laughs> took some concerted effort for me. I'm real bad with names to like, okay, <laughs> rewire your goddamn brain, Aethor. You need to do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we have our first uh, bit of a PvP. Yeah. Um, uh, so we that's... had a chat before we started the game. Um, we set down some basic ground rules. We did some, some basic, basically basic everything. Like, hey, if things are going bad, just shout. Um, I am personally not a fan of PvP. And that was something that I yeah. brought up when we started, before we started recording. It's like, I, as a default, PvP is turned off. I don't like it. I don't think it's great for group dynamics. But that's my personal preference. 
if everybody involved agrees and this is the only solution, um, inverted commas, or it's funny and everyone's okay with it, sure, go ahead. Um, go ahead and do that. But it's something we should talk about before we do it, not like, I'm just going to smack him. Like, no, no, no. Talk about if there's something that you guys want to do instead, like whatever. Like, I would prefer that. The exception was when you came along a squash and I'm like, nope, all, all bets are off. Yeah. You're going to be a dick. Fuck it. Um, you can wait yeah. on him as much as you want, but... For the most part, yeah, like this is the first time we have that PvP. I'm like, all right, everyone's okay with it. Everyone's chill. Everyone's rolling with it. All right, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I I remember you telling me like, if they decide to kill you, I'm not stopping them. I was a a good like, okay, okay. I I understand. Uh, Help help me get even more into character for squash because... (laughs) Again, we'll get to back. We'll get to this on episode thirty-nine. Yeah, or some jazz uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I found it quite funny that um, what was it that Sultana was calling Laffy and Laffy Taffy or something yeah. like that? Or oh, just call and, him laugh or laugh. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And artist real quick to turn it back on her uh, on on Sultana and calling her uh, Zuzu. I love Zuzu. <laughs> I genuinely love Zuzu. It's why Caden turned up at about that right moment so I could call her Zuzu. <laughs> <laughs> and also to get chance. the story back on on rails because uh, there was like little bits of like power trips going and like friction potentially developing. I'm like, nope, cut that shit off. Let's get Caden and then get on with the story. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then we proceed from there that Caden uh, takes them through the town and he's going to take them to his home. Yeah. And But before he does that, there was one little line. It might have just been a throwaway phrase that I mistook, but you say the phrase, uh, Lindren doesn't really care about the team. Yeah. Um, like, do you, you say that in context that um, Caden doesn't think that he needs to tell Lindren that he's taking them to his place yeah. or something like that. Uh, like, Lindren is in a bit of a a bit of a pickle because he was supposed to execute these prisoners, but, you know, the world counseled that, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And he's now stuck with people that he's like, okay, fine, we'll throw them at the apocalypse, they'll probably get themselves killed, fuck it. Beyond that point, he doesn't really care about like the minutiae of their day. He doesn't really care about where like uh, they're kept. He doesn't care about whether they're fed properly. He doesn't care about what kind of missions exactly they go on and who's in charge and how that all works. All he cares is that they're not in his way. They're not in his eyesight and he can do as much plausible deniability as possible and also say he set them off on suicide missions. Like, he he doesn't care about them at all. And also, I didn't want them to re-interact with, with Lindren because I realised that they really hated Lindren. And the oh, hallmark yeah. of a oh, yeah. particularly good villain, in my opinion, is, like, you don't see him very often. He's just a presence that's just irritating and an asshole. So I was like, all right, they really dislike him. I'm I'm making sure that they don't interact with him too much, so... Yeah. Uh, then we have the team go on a little walk through the town as they're going towards Caden's um, yeah. dick. And um, you describe the town really intensely. Like, you clearly had a vision for what Folsom yeah. should look like. Um, uh, so it's the first time we've really seen at, like, the, the place where everything is going to be centered around, where everything is going to be set. In my 
thought process, I thought this is where would most of the things would be. This would be like where they consider their base. And I clearly did an okay job at that because that is the base. Um, yep. <laughs> so like I wanted to set it up. I wanted to show like the kind of area that we're in. There's kind of that arid, like sorry, arid desert kind of area. And we hadn't really seen that in anybody's backstory. And it's the first time to really kind of build and set that world. And I think you can hear, I think this might be the third time we start recording. I think it is. And mm-hmm. I I can tell I feel and sound more confident and comfortable with the DMing um, because obviously I was really yeah. nervous in the first one. I was really nervous in the second one. Um, and then we hit this like stride. Um, we were just hanging out, chatting. Um, if you've listened to the bloopers, spoiler alert, um, you can mm-hmm. hear how the beginning of this recording session went. Um, so <laughs> I was already very comfortable and I can, I like there's still stumbles. But that's just me talking anyway. Um, but yeah, you can tell in here I'm much more comfortable in that description area. And I had, and I still see it very clearly what Falsam looks like. Um, so I, I'm just glad that I came across. <laughs> yeah, you're very conf- confident in your description of Falsam and you do it uh, very well, I think. Thank you. And uh, Neil has um, rendered a bunch of the music from the early episodes, oh, and yeah. he refuses to release them because he has a lot of like clicks and pops and buzzes in there because he can't get the original files out yeah. anymore. Um, uh, yeah, Neil's most recent hardware crash is not the first one. Um, <laughs> and this song, um, I think it's called "Walking Out." Uh, stepping uh, out. I think it's stepping out, and it is I... beautiful. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. It has that, like, uh, I, uh, I don't know, sense of freedom and wonder about it and mixed up with them, like, staring at the stars. I'm like, I didn't, I don't, don't think I mentioned the stars. I think they mentioned looking up and, like, first time we've breathed in ages. I'm like, yeah, this is exactly the music that should go here. Like, massive props to Neil. You made that sound good. <laughs> it, it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I, I think. Uh, and that scene is then um, tampered uh, with an uh, run in. Yeah, Cassandra. With Cassandra. Yeah. Now, so Neil had been playing up really well before he even went out. I don't know if you picked it up like in, in, in um, hindsight, but he had mentioned that his nose had started running, which is the cue that I had, like Neil had to roll a con save. Um, and he's nervous about going out into Falson because Falson was his home for many years and everybody knows that the only other Dragonborn is dead and it was at his hands. That's what people know and assume. And it's only been a year. Yep. So he played up that fear and that worry really well. I'm like, okay, I yep. hear him doing that. I know what he wants. I'm going to drop in this asshole of a neighbor, which actually replaced the other random NPC they were going to bump into, you know, world building and stuff. Um, they were going to bump into a um, the babysitter for Taylor's. Um, but because Neil had started dropping those seeds, I'm like, screw it. I'll take her out. I'll replace her with an asshole neighbor who knows exactly what went on um, so that he could have that interaction so we could build that fear in it and explain why that's a thing for him. Yeah, uh, I, I find it um, funny that like y- she has this kind of like um, jovial or cordial uh, interaction yeah. with uh, with Balance and Sultana, and then like looks over their shoulder, sees the demon, and is like, "Oh, oh no, was I polite to you, fuckers? <laughs> yeah. Oh, d- ah!" And I I think you're you say I th- I think she spits at the ground twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah. I th- 
it is such a like it is something that is no longer done in polite company and it's such a loss it is that like if you argue with somebody we should go back to spitting on the ground when you're no, like when you we feel shouldn't we're in the middle of a global pandemic don't spit at things people no, spit at everybody spit in their face no don't do <laughs> no, that that's, that's a that's a solid way to get punched like i always assumed it was gross before the pandemic i just i did really find it gross it's so cringy to me and well, um, yeah bad i'm going to look to cassandra for uh, guidance in the future. Please don't, folks. Um, but yeah, like I wanted her to like because Neil had dropped those seeds. I wanted to basically work with that and run with that. So yeah, um, the kind of nice jovial woman that they were going to meet, who was Taylor's babysitter, became the ass hat neighbor uh, Cassandra. Yeah, she absolutely fucking shreds him. It's yeah. it's fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, and then they 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 go inside and um. Caden, he drops hints about the fact that he has a family. It's all like very like hush hush. Mm-hmm. And um then they have their bracelets removed. Yeah. And I thought that was like it was an interesting timing. Is there a reason why you held on to it so long? Um not really. I think I'd forgotten to do it. Um and then I was like, oh shit, I remember I now need to do this. And I was like, okay, great. They can be when they're outside of the prison. Great, that makes sense. Um I think I yeah. I think um I had intended to do it earlier. It's literally not written in my notes anywhere that I was gonna release them from the bracelets. <laughs> I just remember just thinking in the moment, shit, I haven't removed their bracelets. I should probably do that, right? <laughs> so I moved it well, to a time that made it a bit more like um that made a bit more sense. Like they're in the home. Yeah. Great. I can pop them off here. It sounds good. They're outside of the prison. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I've learned my lesson of assuming that you've set up and pre- uh, prepared things. Uh, <laughs> the the boxes uh, where everybody's stuff was re- uh, stored is my cue to not do that anymore. Um, <laughs> it really does feel like you knew what was going to happen when you took the bracelets off. No, I, I have um, no idea. Like I was like, I just know I need to take them off and I've forgotten to do that and I hadn't written it in my notes. It was an oversight on my half. I'm like, all right, on the fly, I was trying to figure out when to do that. I'm like, great, I'll wait until they're actually at Caden's house. I think it was probably as they were chatting about Lindren that I had like, like that thought of like, oh, I need to get mm-hmm. these bracelets off these folks. Yeah. And I think it's a really, really good, um, like, um, oh god what what do you call it world building i guess that yeah. when the bracelet gets take, taken off sultana uh, that she can feel her god in the first time for a very long time oh yeah like there there will definitely be something that we'll chat on that in a minute actually about sultana's yeah. dream and like why i needed yeah. to have the bracelets off at a certain point and how they affected people's magics i don't know if we've discussed it in beyond the eclipse yet but the, the, they basically suppress a lot of things, including a lot of magic. And I didn't want prisoners to have magic. That makes no sense. Why would you allow them no. to do that? Hence why the magic bracelets are here in the first place. I'm like, okay, some people have innate magic. Some people have God-given magic. Some people have bargained for it. Some people have learned it. All right, I need to find a way of negating that. And it's like, okay, if I have to negate God magic, then they just don't feel that connection magically with their God anymore. So as soon as it's gone, it needs to come back. Um, we have um, a reference to the the weird discussion of how to get Raul through the city without causing um, ruckus, where Raul is given a mustache. Uh, generally, as soon as I got the magic bracelets off and uh, Arch did that, I was dying. <laughs> I, it, it's genuinely a fucking chuckle scene. It's it's a good one. 
Um, and not long after that, uh, we have um, Raoul asking to go meet Bulgrim to give him the letter. Yes, I was not expecting that. And then I was no, like, how do I delay not. this? And then I thought, I don't need to delay it. I'll just run it. I, I roughly know what I'm doing. It's fine. It'll be great. I've got this. Uh. <laughs> uh, and then we have another great scene where uh, Balance tries to mess around with the link. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I have notes in about this. So he's asking to mess around with oh. the link to like probe it and do it with his psychic powers. And we've had this discussion a lot about how do we separate psychics from magic because psychics shouldn't be able to undo magic stuff if magic can't undo psychic stuff so i needed to keep them very separate so any checks involved with magic messing with psychics or psychics messing with magic needs to be very difficult because it's not they're not supposed to be the same the outcome and the effects are the same but they're supposed to operate very differently like trying to put a piece of program into um, windows versus a mac machine like they're supposed to be very different. They're not supposed to work very well together. So I was deliberately making the check kind of hard. And then he fluffed it anyway because Roll20 hates him um, or likes the story, whatever you want to go with. Um, and it, it's screwed. So I was like, all right, how do I how do I make this fun as a failure? Like he's tried it, but it's not worked out perfectly well. Um, and maybe give an option to do it in the future. But as it was, he never tried again. So I'm like, yes. Mm. Well, until much, much later, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and I, I thought you you did a good thing where you're like trying to figure out what to do about this scene. And I have no idea how much dead air is cut in this scene. Like Not this a lot. is far before. No, no, uh, But you real quick go. Um, what was it? Um, like you ask Arch to describe what he's trying to do. As you're like, what, what do I roll? What do I make him do? How, yeah. how do I how do I fix this? Yeah. And I, I thought that was a really really good like it was an intelligent like move on your behalf as a DM. Yeah, it, twofold actually. One because I like to understand where they're going with it. Like um like especially people's abilities, they develop through those moments of like, how are you doing this? What's going on here? But it also as me as a GM buys time to figure out what to do and also yeah. if uh, the player has a certain idea arch had an idea of like he'd be using a bit like a gps pinging system like okay great now i know how to describe that if that is what it is you're doing and then interesting things evolve from that abilities ideas powers like stuff like that so uh, kind of twofold one it gives me time to think and two i understand what it is that people are trying to do so yeah. i was very happy with how that turned out also it was super funny so yeah, it's a a fun scene, um, and uh, we need move on from there to um, Sultana's dream. I think. Yeah. Um. So I always knew that uh, Odette was alive. I think I'd mentioned that before, and that she'd been yeah. trying or unconsciously trying because she's doing it in her dreams to cast sending at Sultana because she is a cleric and she has access to that, and I. I wanted them to be able to communicate. I wanted her to learn very quickly that her wife was alive. But because of the anti-magic bracelet, the things weren't going through very well. So the divine she felt was much less. And her wife was, you know, a cleric. Uh, So there's clearly some divine shit going on there. And I was like, okay, I can do it through dreams. Then it's not something that's going to invade the everyday. It can be done as a side scene. It's not like something that would interrupt the flow of the the rest of the narrative or the game. So I had that set up and I knew as soon as the magic bracelet came off, which is when I was like, shit, it's not in my notes. I need to take them off before they sleep. Um, 
like I knew that that would be the first stream. So I knew it would always be Odette. I just didn't know the formats of how that would look um, because I didn't write any of that stuff down. Um, as you, I think you hear me asking, like, what are you dreaming about? Um, yeah. Odette, uh, perfect. Yes, you fell into my plan. <laughs> um, so other than that, I just, you know, ran with it. Like the dream, I knew exactly what would happen. I knew that there would be that moment where she would hear someone asking for help, but she wouldn't necessarily 100% know what. Um, and that's why she had to do the wisdom save, um, just because yes. I wanted to keep that idea of like, you don't know what this is. You don't know if it's good or yeah. bad. And if it's bad, I'd make you roll a wisdom save anyway. But I don't want to automatically assume it's good because I'm not asking you for it. I want to keep that mystery in there a little bit longer. Yeah, uh, you do the the that like throughout the whole story, like, oh, and... We're gonna yeah. get to it. There is a really, really good scene where they're trying to fuck with the uh, with what's going on in the dreams and that stuff. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to it when we get to it. But yep. I, I just wanted to like say now, like when I was listening back to this, I was picking up on the like, oh, she's doing a wisdom save against receiving a sending from her wife. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a clever idea because it is invasive and it is not something that Sultana knows what is like. Yeah. It, it it's a it's a good idea. It's a yeah. very, like well handled. I think. Is <laughs> Thank you. Although I think I'm more often than not, I I think especially in like dreams and stuff like that, it's almost always good. <laughs> I've never actually had an invasive like evil guy do it yet, and I I kind of realised that I think fairly recently when we did another thing where we're fucking around with dreams in a recent episode. Now someone rolled a save. I'm like, mm-hmm. I've never actually had a bad guy do this. I should have a bad mm-hmm. guy do this, right? And I'm like, I don't know. It feels like a dick well. move. <laughs> Well, you do have access to bad guys, so... I do. I have some access to some very bad guys. I'm very happy about this. Um, but either way, yeah. So, um, I, I guess uh, I, I want to ask this. Um, during the f- flashback, um, before, like, when it turns nightmarish, yeah. you kind of describe Odette having her neck snapped. Uh, like... Yep. Um, is so, that a ref- Yes, it is. So, um, whenever I... I didn't exactly know the form that the mirror scenes would take. I knew that there would be some. Like I knew mm-hmm. kind of roughly that the mirror is a thing because the mirror is one of the um, you know the, the access to how they would get to get into Monarch. Um, that changed mm-hmm. a little bit, but the general idea was still there. I didn't have it written in concrete, and I knew that there would be flashbacks. And I wanted to make sure that whenever we, whenever I referenced a debt dying it was in a particular way. So I would make sure I'd use either very similar or the same words, but it would always be the same actions. It was the head being knocked from side to side and snapping and cracking. Like I tried to make sure that imagery was the same whenever I referenced that so that when folks looked back on it or when if they were paying like attention um, that they could go, oh, it's the same person being described. It's the same moment. And it is. It's exactly the same moment for when Adette quote unquote died when she was taken away from Zoltana. Um so it's exactly mm-hmm. that same thing that she witnessed at that moment. All right. All right. Um yeah, so you have uh Sultana waking up from her nightmare. <laughs> and I wanna give a little bit of props to uh Neil for the bu- choice of music. Yeah. And to uh Casey for the little gasp that they do when they are yeah. awoken. That that combined really so like for a second you forget you're listening to an actual play like you're like yeah 
it's, it's come off of a really beautiful moment between Odette and Zoltana, and I love their romance. I love them so much. Uh, they are such a beautiful couple. Their ideologies are kind of different, but they are just so good together, and it's really nice seeing that, like, looking forward to the future, even though we all know in hindsight that that's probably not going to happen. Um, but, like, seeing them together and then waking up and Casey like going with the moment in there Neil's music dumps um, like there is the happy dream music there is the sad dream music and then Taylor's mm-hmm. theme like holy shit Neil um, yeah <laughs> god fucking uh, damn it dude <laughs> yeah we, we move on from the nightmare to the to introducing Taylor's now yeah it was at this point that I realised <sighs> never ever could there be any harm done to this child and I don't know where that cuteness came from I don't I have no idea. <laughs> How much of Taylor's was planned in that moment? Uh... So I remember you saying that originally um, Kate was supposed to have kids that were out of the house or no kids. I don't remember He was supposed which. to have three. Like in the yeah. moment, Taylor, like Caden was supposed to have three when I realized, oh, uh, Caden would have people outside of this, right? And in the moment, I'm like, yeah, it's going to have kids. Totally. And then I was asked about them like one. I'm not doing three children voices. Fuck. Um, <laughs> I knew that just when I envisioned suddenly like shit, Caden needs to have kids. He would have small kids and they would be young and they would be excitable and they would be like interested in the world and they'd idolize their father. Great. Perfect. Moving on. Um, I didn't write Taylor's interrupting Zoltana after her dream. I didn't have that written anywhere. Um, that's not written down in any of my notes at all. I was just going to have Caden, there's the kid, he keeps the kid as far away as possible, but then we'd had the improvised conversation about family and adoption and like Sultana having a, a bad moment um, and a nightmare and receiving at least some words of sending from Odette. I was like, well, you're waking up and there are just, what do you see? Well, I used to wake up in the middle of the night a lot as a kid, so screw it, let's do it. Uh, no, none of that was plans at all and you can hear me trying to find Taylor's voice through that entire scene (laughs) well um, you hide it quite well because I did not pick up that you had decided on a voice oh no like she doesn't get a solid voice until probably the second time that we meet her like it's very wavery throughout this like there's a little bit of Demi in there if you listen really carefully and I found it really difficult for the longest time to separate their voices out because Taylor is young and excitable and young and excitable for me is really uh, um, quick and fast and all that stuff and Demi is just quick and fast and always excitable so I had to kind of in my brain really separate them out and sometimes I fail like if you listen carefully like I will switch their voices up quite a lot alright uh, yeah and um, this scene that precedes the one where Taylor is showing off her magic yeah. uh, we actually have art of that from our talented friend we um, do Cassie. Yes, I love Kessie's art so much. Uh, that genuinely, I, I told Kessie this, that genuinely almost made me cry. Um, it was such a swell of emotion when I saw that because I love Taylor's a lot and I love the interaction that Taylor's has with each person individually. But this was the first interaction that Taylor's had and Taylor's is adorably cute. And Zoltana telling her that she could call her Anna was like, in that moment, kind of like made me like, oh. And seeing the art of that, Kessie, I love you. Casey, you're amazing. Thank you for making that scene with me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I actually have it on the wall right there, but I'm not going to move the camera because I don't know if I can put it back at the right place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we'll, we'll find uh, out, but we'll put it somewhere. 
uh, if you're on the Patreon, you might have actually seen it in our uh, yeah. thank you videos. Um, but yeah, um, we have uh, Sultana and Tailis uh, back and forward a little bit about uh, Sultana's name. And I thought it was quite cute that Sultana's the one like, you can just call me Anna. And then Taylor's like, Auntie Anna, let's yep. make it a... a, a, a like, yep. To... <laughs> Uh, I, is it onomatopoeia where you make things like uh, quick uh, cash or something like that? Uh, no, that's uh, alliteration. When oh, like the oh, first letter is the same, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You do a little alliteration there, and yeah. I, I thought, thought that was kind of cute. Um, <laughs> yeah. I had to. It was uh, too cute in the moment. I honestly don't know where her cuteness comes from. I just, I don't, I don't know why that was you're so in cute. Child. It was just after that I was like, oh, there can be never any harm to this child. Not that I was planning any, but they could never. I can't do anything to make this poor sweet child upsetty. I can't. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, we move on from that. Caden um, mm, mm, steals Taylor's away from Sultana. Mm-hmm. And then we have the cooking scene. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ep- I'm going to ask five. you a question about the cooking scene, actually, because you listened uh-huh. to TLD before you were massively a part of it. So I was like, hey, do you want to yeah. come join the show? And you're like, sure, I'll come, Roleplay. And then you listen to the show. I in that moment I clearly found this super funny. Um and I just because I'm I'm mean in my brain. Um but mm-hmm. listening back I didn't find it as funny. Like I don't understand why this scene works, but I know that it does because a lot of people mention it as one of their favorite funny scenes. Oh, I also have to mention on behalf of Arch, Arch can cook. Don't mix up him and balance. Balance can't cook. Arch can cook. I need to say this because some people seem to forget that we are not our characters. We are not murderous thieves and shit cooks. Uh, Most of us aren't shit cooks. <laughs> but Arch can yeah, cook. I'm just going to come out and say that now. Please stop it. Anyway. What do you know? Maybe I'm a hardcore drug using thief. I know that you're none of those things. <laughs> Maybe I'm just good at hiding it. Like squash. No, there you no, go. No. Okay, move on. No. <laughs> <laughs> um no yeah uh we have the famous cook scene and you you were asking uh do I think it's funny? Yeah. Yes. Uh there is a little bit of um a DM being a dick in there. Oh yeah. But 100%. it is uh not bad enough like you're you you're doing the thing that you can't help but doing when you're a DM when people flop you start telling them what they did you're telling him he spurred the food and it's like yeah yep. like there's nothing you can do about that like sometimes you have to do that and Arch absolutely plays into it where he's like yeah. oh no it's not supposed to smell like this yeah. shit <laughs> uh, like <laughs> when he breathed shit under his breath and was like fucking great like, uh, and then you have Ralph come in and, and I don't know why I think this is such an American thing but picking up the thing that's on fire and chucking it outside what is this like uh, it, it was it was I think uh, I think he even explains it in the thing is like we don't have time to look for water to put this out get it out of the building if it's out of the building it's not going to set fire to the building I'm like I follow that and I think that's great but my brain also went if he's cooking eggs, there's going to be oil and that shit is going to spread. <laughs> so you have them uh, bl- blundering around and they chuck the thing out of the window. Yep. And 
the second time around listening to it, the first thing I thought was the the, the fi- London fires <laughs> because of how you had described Folsom earlier, which I felt sounded very much like oldie time New London, like this like cramped streets and like dusty roads and alleys everywhere. It's yeah. just like, oh no. Oh, this could have ended much worse. And then Sultana comes in and like, eh, what are you guys doing? This you're doing it wrong, man. <laughs> Let me check some fire on it. Eh, I made it worse. Yeah, I don't know why I asked for the next role. I just think it because I wanted to because we like you Khalid here heard from the beginning of that recording session, we were just on one. Um I don't know what yeah. we were on, but we were just fucking on one. Um Absolutely happens. We were just yeah, and it was just just like how could we escalate this to be bigger and funnier than it is it's just one of those moments that stuck um i still like doing that on occasion um just like all right this is clearly a break from the very hardcore serious moment that we've been doing through this story fuck it let's have some fun and just dick around and see what we can do this was definitely one of those moments um and i i don't try not to do that too often now because we've gotten to the point in the story where it actually is fucking serious like shit things are getting yeah. worse um but in that moment it was just so funny just to see how much worse we could make this situation before we tidied it up and moved on with the story and then Caden comes out of her bedroom like, what have you idiots done? Like, pick up that water. My All favorite right. line New- really is Casey's. You invited three murderers to your house and we set you we set it on fire. <laughs> like, yes. What did, what did he expect? <laughs> uh, yes. I, I, I was laughing really hard at that. Uh, I was laughing really hard at um, balances. Um, I'll make it better. I'll make it better. I'll give you money. How much money can I give you? <laughs> yeah, I'll go buy food. Surely, if I throw, I'm out of jail. That means I have access to money again. I am. <laughs> I can solve my problems. Was it the only thing I know is is money? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah your father's money. Oh, like, oh boy. Um. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that he's grown as a character because I would have gotten annoyed with this uh, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic scene. I think it's still it's funny. funny. Uh, yeah, it, there are like little scenes in between where you're like, Avi, you're being mean, but they're all playing into it, so it's absolutely just fun and games. I yeah, think. it's it's sometimes like yeah, being a dick DM is generally dickish, but if everyone is laughing their ass off. And it's funny and it's being encouraged to make it worse. Fuck it. Just just go with it. Like, yeah. it's your table. Have fun. It takes all four of them to put it out. It's, it's oh, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> uh. um, yeah. And then... Um, <laughs> then... Uh, they head out Kayden. after that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Like, Caden is being yeah. the dad at this point. Um, yeah. Partially because I wanted to get them away from this hilarity onto the plot that is happening. Um, and, you know, to just to get them moving. And it's like, well, he's a dad. He is a small kid. He has to do dad moments. Fuck it. He'll treat them all as kids at this point and, like, dad them out of the, the bloody um, the fire-ruined uh, kitchen um, and off to the um, Witcher Society. Yeah. Yeah, you have uh Caden like cook for everybody and then just kind of ushers them on and you you yeah. say the the phrase uh, if Caden was the kind of dad who would pack lunch you would all have little brown paper bags. Yeah. Uh I thought that was very uh <laughs> like a cute description of the kind of like it's so dumb but like in a way when you said that my brain went like Oh, Caden wants to be that dad, but he doesn't have the time. But that's not what you said. But that's what my brain reads into that sentence. Yeah, it's... like 
so cadence cadence house and cadence situation i try to explain without using the words caden is super poor um mm-hmm. like everything in his house is threadbare nothing matches even his like you know even his daughter is wearing like a night dress which is threadbare and like you know not great um i tried to do that without using quite so many words without blatantly saying it sorry um yeah. so for me like he wants to be a good dad and he's being the best dad like best single widowed father he can be with the limited supplies that he has and there is a reason why he has no money it just never came up and it still hasn't come up and I don't think it will come up until the backstory episode for Caden, and I'm super upset. <laughs> right, you've actually told me why. Yeah. Ah, well, well, you guys are just going to have to wait for it. Yeah, you have to wait on that one. Spoilers, I won't talk anymore. But yeah, there's, you know, I, I wanted to explain it. He was poor, and he wants to be able to be the dad who makes the thing in time in the morning for the kid who's always at home and can, like, teach her to do stuff. He buys as many books as he can for her. Um, he mm-hmm. just can't do everything. Um, he Oh, he, what? Uh, you did like a really cute thing when uh, Laffian's pretending to read and he's going to start fucking with the psychic link. Yeah. And you have tailors have written in the margins of all the books. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, like, uh, uh, like we used to sometimes get like homework books, which had like exercises and then you had to like fill them out mm-hmm. and take them home. That was your homework. And that's exactly what I wanted some of these workbooks to be for magic. And that's what Taylor's was doing. Um, so she has yeah. like notes, everything on everywhere and like really childish scroll, like something we consider very easy, just like a cantrip to cast like a you know a sparks or something like she doesn't know how to do that she's a kid learning it so she's like i have to move my hand to the right like this like i they have to be written in there like clearly yeah i have to mumble this word because if i say it too clearly i say it wrong yeah (laughs) exactly just mumble it and people will assume i might be doing the right thing (laughs) then flick the lighter and people think you bait fire yes yes uh yeah yeah uh yeah, um, Caden's trying to be the best dad he can, um, yeah. but yeah, it's 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 not always that easy, and I think no. that's um, kind of a through line through a lot of your um, stories. It is it, it's not always easy to be good. Um, yeah, it, it's difficult. I, it's it's a harder path, um, but yeah. ultimately, in my opinion, for the most part more rewarding than taking the shortcut and easy route like Caden probably could make a shit ton of money doing some really dicey dodgy shit but he doesn't want to do that um yeah looking at Raoul beating people up for money (laughs) Caden is not quite the fighter that Raoul is he would not survive well in the fourfold fights (laughs) he's got access to soul fire on his blade he can I am not getting into why his blade is green unless I'm specifically asked in the podcast and then I promise you guys I will probably make it up I have some ideas uh, but depending on how out of left field that conversation comes Uh, uh, um so we go to the witch's lodge, uh, which is uh, prompted basically by um, Taylor's needing to go to class. Um, and they need to meet up with Demi again. Yeah. And on the way, uh, when they arrive there, you uh, there's a little side gag that you never really got to go into details. And it it gets left in so weirdly. The fact that Neil didn't edit any of it out, that you guys didn't edit any of it out, really, like... <laughs> I am very anal about this kind of shit. If I was the editor and I'd left in a joke like that that never gets explained, I'd I'd be fucking livid and that would be cut. I don't know what you're talking about. So when they arrive in the Witsu Society, there's a lot of potted plants everywhere. Tiny little <laughs> potted plants. 
<laughs> All right. Um, let's let's talk about the potted plants. All right. So yes, when let's they talk arrive, about the potted plant in the room. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the potted plant in the room. There are a lot of pot. There are a lot of plant pots and potted plants in the witch's society, like more than you would expect. And um, before we hit talking about the receptionist, um, they make their way up to Demi's room and they I get them to roll perception checks and two of them fail. One of them doesn't get quite enough to see exactly what I wanted to tell them. So I start dropping some of the plot points and the hints that, hey, you see a young man, he looks at a plant pot very intently and then he throws it against the wall and it turns into a person. Um, yeah, that's wild magic going off. That's wild magic happening when the apocalypse comes. There's blood rain outside. There is an earthquake. Really bad shit's happening. Anyone who has a connection with any gods are feeling some very bizarre shit happening right now. Those people who lost their god are just ruined. So wild magic in my world happens not just because you fuck with magic and all that good shit, like the things that are like specified in the in the class list, but also through strange and bizarre emotions, like sudden fear and change in things, like blood rain coming down is probably going to, you know, activate that world magic shit. So I had people being turned into potted plants, which was um, on one of the world magic surge tables that me and my buddy made when um, we first, when Demi was a home character. So I kept some of those world magic surges and I thought, great, I'll put people in as plant pots. It'll be kind of fun. Um, they failed. They didn't get a 15 on their perception. Otherwise, they would have heard, and this was my reference to um, plants versus zombies, um, the little plants would be singing something if they had a 15 on perception and it was going to be, there's a demon on your lawn and there is a celestial on your lawn. And I thought that would be cute, but nobody rolled any higher than that and nobody looks at the plant pots. Nobody broke them to break anyone else out of the plant pots. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll let it be there. Yeah. So <laughs> what is left behind is, oh, there's a surprising amount of plant pots in this room. And everybody's like, uh-huh. And then a little <laughs> later, oh, somebody comes out and like breaks a plant pot and a person pops out. And they're like, uh-huh. <laughs> and you're just like, motherfucker, like pay it. It's nobody going to... Okay, I put it down. Nobody picked it up. Let's yep. move on. <laughs> That's, yeah, but I, I wouldn't cut something like that because what if they came back in episode 20 and they found a random plant pot and they wanted to destroy it because they saw someone at one point way back in their memory banks turn into a person? Maybe there are still people in the witch society who are still plant pots. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say, is there a plant pot hidden somewhere, like behind a <laughs> shelf? Like Demi's, like I know uh, who this is. I'm gonna hide this over here. Uh, like, yeah, uh, like that, that's why I don't cut stuff force because me, because sometimes force me to those do little... paperwork now, Mister Potted Plant. <laughs> it was the receptionist's old boss, and he's just hidden it in the back corner. No, no, I can't find him. No, can't find Full him at all. Now. No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I like you mentioned, like you would have cut that. I don't because mm -hmm. some of the things that I drop that are like background moments, um, just side phrases get pulled back much, much later in the show. Um, like some things yeah. we drop in between like this episode and I think episode 10, I think it is like some of them still get pulled out randomly as we go on. Um, so I don't like to cut those things. And also it's, it's well building. Um, keep it in, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, true. True. Um, uh, so let's talk about Trampal. Let's talk about the receptionist. Let's talk who about who doesn't have a name. The receptionist. Like, so he did not get a name. He was not written in my notes. I just realised when they turn up, there should be a receptionist. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll put a dude in there. He doesn't like his job. Uh, he's very bored. Fuck it. Let's just do that. And that's where Trampal came. Like it was literally just spur of the moment. I realised that we needed a receptionist, and that was just the voice I did. Um, 
that was the character I made in that moment. He didn't have a name. He wasn't even written down as the receptionist in my notes for fucking ages. Um, whenever he turns up over the next few episodes, he wasn't scripted to be there. He was just there. <laughs> I never wrote anything about him. And then with the fourfold fights, I'm like, fuck it. Screw it. I'm going to write him a character. I'm going to give him a name. And the name he'll use in the fourfolds is the receptionist. Fuck it. Um, So yeah, I was just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain Trumpel. He's become a thing. Um, I wrote more story for him as he came up more often. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You, um, I I, I get, um, you never watched the TV show Scrubs, did you? Not really, no. There's a um, character in it called the janitor. And, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a running gag, and I don't think they ever reveal or give him a name. Uh, I think and last episode maybe, maybe. But then again, like if he's telling the name of the last episode, he's probably just fucking with JD, um, mm-hmm. somebody who watched a lot of scrubs uh, over here. Um, and I, I, I get a heavy janitor vibe from him. It's like, <laughs> oh, I have a job, and you're not sure I'm doing my job. But goddammit, I haven't been fired yet. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, like he's grown and developed into something else. Um, Like I made his relationship stronger with Demi, like how they met. I I know that now. I know why he's working here. I know Mm. his history. I know his like proclivities. Uh, He likes Elven wine, came up because you rolled and wanted to know how to bribe him. Like shit like Mm -hmm. that. I've developed his characters have gone on and he actually now has a history. Like I have some of that shit written down. Um, At the time, yeah, he didn't even have a name. He he wasn't even referred to as the receptionist anywhere. It was just fuck it. This is what came out of yeah. my mouth at the time. Um, the gum chewing, is that a reference to anything or would you just... Uh, the gum chewing comes... Um, the gum chewing comes from a teacher I used to have who used to teach English um, at my, at my um, secondary school. And he was constantly chewing gum. Like, so he would deliver like um, this epic uh, speech about, or he'd read like an, an, an epic sonnet um, from like Romeo and Juliet and he'd be chewing gum the whole way through. And it completely destroyed my idea of what Shakespeare was supposed to be because he's like, <laughs> yeah, like, wherefore art thou? Um, he didn't have a Cockney accent. I just can't <laughs> chew without having that accent now. Um, but he, he would chew constantly. And <laughs> so I kind of, I think that's where he came from um, and why that chewing uh, thing was a thing because I found it super annoying. I have this thing where I really don't like the sound of people chewing and he, I couldn't tell him to stop because he was my teacher and I was a really nervous kid and I didn't want to talk to anyone. Um, so yeah, that's that's where that chewing comes from. Um, although, side note, um, me and a friend of mine who were in that same class, we were reading not Romeo and Juliet, Macbeth, uh, the play that shall not be named. Um, And we both did this scene fluently between us and it wasn't stumbled. It was beautifully delivered. um, And he was so impressed that he kind of, at the end of it, he was about to like applaud us and he choked on the chewing gum. It flew across out of his mouth onto the desk in front of my friend. I'm like, that is gross. (laughs) Encore, encore. (laughs) Yeah, it was so funny. He was just like taken aback by the fact that we were just reading it and going for it. Um, So yeah, it was just super funny. Anyway, sorry, we're talking about Trempa. I have no idea where he came from. (laughs) (laughs) No, you clearly know where he came from. (laughs) I know where the chewing comes from. (laughs) The border border is job. That was was on the fly move. (laughs) The what? Uh, Board at his job. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, Casey says something along the lines of, um, that's, that's a man a guy who, who does, does not job. like his job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like earning a paycheck, I think was the phrase. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and then uh, he dropped something about Demi being upset about a letter. Now, I haven't yep. listened to the sixth episode in about uh, a couple of months, so I don't know if that letter gets referenced. Uh, it gets referenced in this particular episode. Um, so they go mm-hmm. upstairs, and I mentioned that there are letters around. And I think in episode six, she talks a little bit about, like, oh, it's a letter from my brother, yada, yada, yada. Um, mm-hmm. But if they had, I, I have it not exactly written out, but I had the contents of it written down. Um, I went back through my notes just before we start recording this so I could remember exactly what it was. Um, because mm-hmm. I think, as I've mentioned in the last episode, um, the the gods and voices in their head switched partway through the game so because I could mm-hmm. make things a little bit easier. Um, I Demi was supposed to have, um, uh, oh my gosh, uh, the original Bloodhorn, and um, he was supposed to have Grumsh, and basically the wall that they built between them was supposed to lower those voices and they could switch them around so they wouldn't have to listen to the one that was trying to make them do bad shit. Um mm-hmm. But the content of the letter still stands. Um, it was basically that Damaz was hearing Grumsh when he shouldn't be. Um, he was worried about the wall and that Grumsh was worried about what was coming. Um, this was before the apocalypse came. Um, so I put in there that Damaz had known a little bit about what was coming before the first god death. Um, and that's why she was worried and upset because she didn't receive the letter early enough to be able to go to him and help. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, that's what that is. Uh-huh. Um, and then we have, I think, the first Neil can get it an edit joke. And <laughs> I just wrote Neil can get it an edit joke, and then I wrote nothing around it, and my brain. I know exactly what it is. Out. I have it in my notes. Um, I forget whether because obviously Trimple came on the fly. Um, I didn't have mm-hmm. the upstairs of the Witcher Society plan out of my head, except oh, she lived upstairs. Oh shit! Now I have oh, to describe it. Fuck! Why well, didn't I write left this down? And right. Yeah, and it was like, was it left or right? And I honestly didn't remember in the moment whether I said it was left or right. I'm like, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, yeah, right, whatever you say. And then it was the, well, if you don't get it right, let's re-record it. So I, I think I then say in Trembar's voice, like, yeah, it's on the, on the right. And yeah. I don't know if Neil used that take. <laughs> I don't know if I was correct. <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> I feel like Neil probably didn't. I feel like I was the original nope. take this in there, but I honestly I, I, don't I, remember. I, I didn't go back, but I'm yeah, pretty sure he's, you say last door on the left, and then they go upstairs to the left, right? And, and the whole thing happens. Yeah. Uh, the yep. whole thing goes down. Uh, yeah. We don't get it in edit. Whatever happened. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I love those jokes. Uh, I think someone asked us recently how many of those, like, because we leave those Neil get it in edit jokes. Neil doesn't get mm-hmm. it in edit. He doesn't. Not often. Uh, and it only happens if it's like a crucial plot thing that we wanted to go back and change. But otherwise, leave it in. It's funny. Um, that, that tends to be how we do that. Um, but I think after that, they go in and actually chat with Demi about yeah. the weird shit that she needs them to do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're just in there chatting with her. And she. I wanted to make sure that her room was as much chaos as she was. Um, so that's why like yeah. the bed is unmade, why there are runes everywhere, where there's like filthy clothes all over the place. Demi doesn't have a maid and Demi doesn't have an assistant, even though she's entitled to one. Like she just won't have that. She just doesn't like people serving her in that manner. Um, you know, she's she's happy being chaos itself. She just needs a little occasional organization. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what Trimpel does for her, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Demi enjoys being on the border of drowning, but doesn't want to drown. So it's good to have like yes. a lifeguard around, yes. but like 
like <laughs> this splashing that's happening that's not me drowning this is how i swim leave me alone yeah. however yeah. if my head submerges uh, please come get me <laughs> yeah please come get me yeah like that's yeah that's that's basically her world and i wanted to just show that her room was as much chaos as she is um so yeah that's why her room is a complete shithole <laughs> I think you get it across pretty well. Um, yeah. I, I think Demi's character and characteristics come across pretty well in this episode. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you have Demi drop the plot, which is uh, there is something with legs, uh, <laughs> an undes- uh, undesirable amount of legs. Undisclosed uh, amount of legs. Undisclosed. <laughs> uh, down in the sewers and you guys are going to have to go deal with it because you owe me a favor because... <laughs> because that's how favors work, apparently. Well, uh, no, so... Um... Lindrin owes her a favor. Well, technically, she owed Lindrin a favor, but because what she was doing was so much more than the original favor, Lindrin owed her a favor. And because mm-hmm. Lindrin is in charge of these uh, former criminals, actually are criminals, um, that favor has been shifted from him to his criminals. So they have to mm-hmm. do the work. Uh, I have it written down exactly. Balance goes, it's not like we can say no. And Demi goes, exactly. You can't say no. And I need you to say yes. yes. So congratulations, you got a job. <laughs> yeah. I have that written down too. I've forgotten I said that. <laughs> and and Neil just cuts the episode right then and there. And it's a yep. fantastic ending to the episode. I'm yep. I'm it's it's, just... it's a it's a good one. And I'd forgotten this episode had the bloopers. Um I've forgotten this one had the bloopers. That's how we yeah. started this recording session. So I understand why we were just on one just at the beginning of this like recording, like of this episode, like. And that was the last time I did anything live. It was about episode four. Yeah, you've told that. me about this many times. You used to do the intros live, but then you stopped, <laughs> and I didn't it. remember this blooper. And this blooper very much explains why, and it is because uh, Neil won't let it go. <laughs> yep. And I, I just start laughing and then I get a giggle fit every time I go to say Rao's name. Yeah. Even though I changed what it was, I couldn't stop laughing. So I'm like, all right, at this point, I can't do this live. We've, we're comfortable enough now that we don't need me to like lead us back into it. Like we're fine. Like we're good. Um, and I felt more comfortable and happy anyway. It probably because we'd had this like giggle fit before we started. Um, yeah. yeah, it was about episode four. It was this one. Like I just, no, never again. <laughs> It's a, it's a, um, I, I think it's a pretty good episode. There's a lot of like funny moments in it. It's yeah, uh, all around yeah. just a, a good episode. It moves the plot along, not a bunch, but it sets up a lot of uh, characters, a lot of interactions, a lot of like uh, baselines. We get introduced to Taylor's and Trampal, two of the most important <laughs> characters ever. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Uh, for a character I made on the fly, I never thought the Trempal would be a thing. I never thought this reception would even probably ever come back again. Like, maybe I'd change that for someone else. Um, but he's just such a character that's stuck. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll make something about this. Taylor's I knew we'd probably see again. Like, I had a theory. Like, yeah, we'll, they'll probably meet Taylor's. She'll be in and out a little bit. Just a little background character they can interact with. Nope. Taylor's like the fucking heart of this goddamn show. Like, fuck it. Um, Taylor's MVP. We all know We've this. got Taylor's. <laughs> Move over. The true heart of this sentence I will be Taylor's. No, I have plans for Taylor's. Like, I, I have bigger plans for Taylor's now because everyone's interacting with her so much. Um, but that tends to also be my philosophy with characters. If someone jives with them, write more for them because they want to interact yeah. with them. They want to talk. They want to learn more. And I don't like being massive. I don't mind improvising, being massively underprepared for the ability to improvise. That that I, I stumble yeah. with. <laughs> uh, the... um. 
the the philosophy of like let the characters go where they please like um yeah. if the if the players want to interact with this character just make them a bigger part of the story it's yeah. a really good thing to keep in your head um and i've seen people actually make whole um like um diagnostic videos about tv shows where they're mm-hmm. like okay so when the show started the writers decided these two are the pairing that people should be rooting for yeah. And then they stick to that, even though there's such an obvious alternative that, like, as they're writing, they see the jiving work way better with them. Yeah, and, um, and that can actually come down to, like, actor chemistry. Like, um, yeah. like just their ability and their, their, their chemistry on, 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 like, on video when they're working together. Like, you can tell some people just jive better than others. And I think for some script writing if all the arrows point that way sometimes you're a little bit stuck and you have to go into that because everything has been building up to that and all of your like all your arrows point in that direction so suddenly veering off to a place that you'd never intended when you're writing like a really long series like that and you've been dropping those plot points can feel like a cheat like oh where did this come from oh, blah, blah, blah. but of course sometimes you should be flexible and you should look at the way that the wind is blowing ignore the fucking arrows on the floor um we have that wonderful ability when we're playing role-playing games to do that though we can go oh i've dropped all these things but this is way more interesting so fuck it let's go off on a tangent and do this instead um i like that aspect of of role-playing games um i like the aspect of what we do like we've we've at least in series two we've laid down certain plot points and certain things and certain directions and arrows are written down like this is how this is going to go this is the thing we're going to do but i also know after having chatted with you recently that's not the way that's going to go anymore that's going to change and we can make that happen very easily because we have this ability to just change on a dime like that it's not massively scripted out ahead it's just his ideas um yeah. so yeah i that's why i prefer this i guess <laughs> i'd be a shit yeah, screenwriter yeah. i'm a shit writer i can't do it like that <laughs> it's um it's a strange phenomenon in the uh, pen and paper kind of world it is the um it's not a phenomenon but it's a it's a thing that you can do and it requires um a certain flexibility and that's yeah. why good dms are hard to find Anybody can tell a story, not everybody can uh, mold their expectations of their story to fit other people's narrative and ideas. I, I think it's often a bigger problem of, I wanted it to be like this and now my players don't. I think that's yep. a bigger problem than a lot of DMs are willing to admit. It's the, I yeah. want it like this, I want it like this. And the players are just like, nah, we're, we're going to work with this guy. And it's like, but he was never supposed to be worked with. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like at the very beginning of the campaign, it's much easier to do that flexibility. Towards the end, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, But otherwise, yeah, like I, this is a group storytelling experience, and if I am not doing that, I should be upfront with the players before we play. Like, hi, this is a very particular set story. Your characters in it, you will be doing this, that, and the other. Um, much like mm-hmm. Dark Dice has a very specific plot that Travis is going for, and we are helping him to tell that story. And I'm totally yeah. fine with that. Like, I knew that going in that he had a plot, then things developed more, and he's like, this is my specific plot. And I'm like, great, we will mold this story together. But like, certain things I know we have to do to tell the story that he wants to tell. That's not the game we're playing here on TOD. The game we're playing here is like, well, we are four slightly insane people telling a slightly insane story about the end of the world. Fuck it, let's go. Um, some of my plot has appeared and some of it hasn't. Some of it has changed on the fly. Some of it um, was made on the fly. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Some of those plot points, these big, big plot drops, these really cool world building things. Yep, that was improvised. Fuck it. Um, and then I'll fit it together again when I do my prep. Um, 
that's kind of why I like it. Well, I like doing this. Um, it's not just me telling a story. It is our story. And if I'm not willing to be flexible on my story, then it's not. It's it's. I'm a shit DM. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I'm also not massively. Um, like I, I like that I have a good imagination. But what other people put in is what makes it really good. Like those little twists, those little extras, the things that I didn't see coming. It's my part of being a player versus me being a GM is you guys throwing random shit at me. Building the world as you go, Aethel. Yes. As <laughs> like, any there DM are and player should do. There were never going to be any cliffs near Chavok. <laughs> there are cliffs Which now trees? and they're hunt. Never going to be any fucking trees in this goddamn. No, I'm joking. <laughs> trees. <laughs> no trees. No trees. <laughs> Only bigger, bigger no, mushrooms. Okay. People call trees. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. Like just world building. Like you should do that with your players if you're playing. And otherwise, you're telling a specific story, and that's fine. If that's the the game that you play as and you want to play, sure, go right ahead. But that's not that's not the game I want to play. I find that boring. That's just me. Absolutely. I think that's a fine place to leave it off. Oh, the the uh, things are boring. Yeah. Uh, no. This has been a super boring episode. No. Thanks for being here, though. <laughs> Be flexible. Tell the story with your players, <laughs> dummy. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's it. I don't think I have any other notes. Let me just let me just check my notes real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been guiding this uh, train quite harshly on my tracks. Uh, <laughs> so if, if you have any Goat notes burger. or points... So I have a note in here about a goat burger. I literally start off by saying, I don't want to talk about the animals in this world. And then about three seconds later, describe that there are goat burgers. That's it. That's the only thing I always bring up. And I still don't uh... want to talk about the animals of this world. (laughs) I didn't didn't write them. I haven't written magical animals. I haven't written pet stores. Fuck it. If you ask about it, I'll make it up. But I did not want to have to make it up. But three seconds later, we had goat burgers. (laughs) That's it. That's the only thing I want to talk about. Every blacksmith has like a pet pseudo dragon or like a, fly, yep. a, f- a flame salamander or whatever. Yeah, yep. like fire newt. Yeah, that kind of shit. Fire newt, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, let's end it on Goldberger then. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, this was episode five of Beyond the Eclipse. Um, if you want to see more episodes of Beyond the Eclipse, the current release schedule of them is set on the Patreon. Uh, please join the Patreon if you haven't already. Uh, if you're interested in the world or the lore that has been built, there's a lot of it on the website. Um, yep. We are quite active on both Twitter and Facebook. So if you enjoy our content, join us on Twitter and Facebook. You can get a lot more of it. If you enjoy our personalities and bullshit like that, you can find us. Um, also the Discord. Um, other than that, please go check out the Etsy store. Like Kessie, who's the voice of Lisbeth, Fazea, and if you're called up, Tauri. Um, and Aethel have been working really hard to make charms and enamel pins and new Scullivers are available in the Etsy store. Uh, go check that out. They worked really hard on it and they look amazing. You may also have access before we do because I only have access to the pins right now uh, because we live in a country where it's horrible to ship to. Um, please go check that out. They work really hard on it and they look amazing. Also, Bandcamp. Go check out Bandcamp for some of this beautiful music, which you can hear in episode five. Some of that is, in fact, available on the Bandcamp. Um, so go check that out. There'll be links somewhere. Yeah. Uh, on the Etsy store is also uh, Tiny Little Scullivers. Uh, yeah. So if you want a Scullivers of your own, uh, come join us there. Um, yeah. Thank you, everybody, it. for joining us. And see you around. Bye. Bye.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.